Welcome to the Bridgeway Church Podcast. My name is David Bowden, and every week I sit down with one or several members of our church staff and host a conversation about how Bridgeway is seeking to fulfill its mission as the Church of Jesus Christ here in our city. If you are a member of Bridgeway, we hope this helps you more deeply engage with what God is doing in our midst. And if you aren't a part of Bridgeway, we hope you feel welcome and that our discussions may lead to more Christ-glorifying ministry in your own context. Let's jump in. Well, welcome everyone to the Bridgeway Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are continuing our series on worship right now. We're going to be spending about five weeks on worship. Um, We've talked about the uh, mission and vision of Bridgeway Music with Tyler. And uh, like I I promised, Tyler is here with us again. How are you, Tyler? I'm so good. How are you? Yep, good. And Tyler Hayes is um, our pastor of worship here. And um, we we, we were talking through all the things we wanted to uh, discuss on our five weeks together. And one of the passages that we just felt like we had to talk about was from John 4 and um, the famous phrase that um, we would worship in spirit and truth. And we were like, I mean, we could try to take a whack at (laughs) it, but instead, let's bring Sam Storms in. So Sam is joining us in the the studio. Hey, Sam, how are you? I'm just here to observe. Okay, good. (laughs) I'm just here to listen to Tyler. That's right. So we're both just going to lean on him for all the answers today. (laughs) Um, But we're we're, we're curious about... um, you know, the, the word worshiper, it, it, I think, is in here. Yep. Yeah. Verse 23. He's looking for true worshipers right. uh, who would worship him and they would worship in spirit and truth. So, like, the word worship is in here, like, four times. I'm trying to, like, take a glance. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so it's definitely a passage about worship, I would assume. Actually, mm-hmm. I think it's in here, like, six times now that I'm looking at it. Goodness. Uh, anyway, um, maybe let's walk through what's going on. I'm assuming we need some context for this, this statement. Well, so we're in John four, yeah. uh, Sam, maybe you, could you like walk us through this text well, and maybe help yeah. us understand what's important for understanding spirit and truth here? Well, it is. I find it fascinating that, um, Jesus engages this woman back up in verse 16, you know, go call your husband, come here. She said, I have no husband he said, you're right. You have five, you've had five husbands. The one you now have is not your husband. What you've said is true. And, <laughs> Immediately, the woman, it's almost like she tries to throw him off uh, focus. Like, hey, uh, wh- where should you worship, on your mountain or my mountain? And it's like, I go, what? Where did that come from? He's just exposed her deepest sin life, her sexual life that's yeah. immersed in, 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 in chronic immorality. Oh, by the way, on which mountain do you worship? I thought, so weird. I thought that lady was, uh, she was sharp, but it didn't throw Jesus off the... Mm. off the hunt here. Uh, that, that's a little bit of context. Um, I think, you know, the place that I would want to begin is this this statement that most of us ignore, and that's the last statement in that verse, in verse 23. Mm. Um, For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. Yeah. Mm. That, that, doesn't that sound rather selfish? Like, <laughs> hey, I'm looking for people who are going to tell me how great I am. Yeah. All right, let me let me see if, uh, oh, are you on board? Tell me some wonderful things about me. You know, declare it publicly. Make it known. And, and people stumble with that. And, of course, that was the very uh, challenge that C.S. Lewis felt mm-hmm. that absolutely turned his entire Christian life around. Yeah. He said, I couldn't come to grips with the fact that God is constantly calling on people to tell him how great he is, because it sounded like a, you know, a, a, a rather self-absorbed woman asking for compliments about her looks. Mm. And um, 
he, he said, until I realized that it is the most loving thing God can do, because when God invites us to worship him, when he seeks us out and calls us to worship him, he's calling us into the deepest delight the human soul could ever experience, mm-hmm. namely in recognizing the most beautiful being in the world and ex- and giving expression to that in praise and adoration. So um, Lewis pointed out, he said, delight is never consummated until it is expressed. Right. Yeah. And so what sounds to us on the surface like a profoundly egocentric, selfish uh, statement on, uh, by God is, in fact, an incredible display of how much he loves us. He's saying, look, I'm going to bring you into the full experience of the most glorious thing in this universe. Now, mm. that glorious thing happens to be me. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but still, if, if, if you say, well, what is love? How do, how do you show love to somebody? Well, is it not by bringing them deeper and deeper into the deepest delight their soul could ever have? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what is that? It is in knowing God, seeing God, de- declaring that glorious revelation of who God is. So that's where I always start with the passage is that what seems to be a selfish request, you know, God's this weak and, uh, you know, he's this weak and uh, insecure being who's just clamoring for uh, for compliments. Mm. That's not it at all. Yeah. It is the most loving thing he could possibly have done for us by seeking us out to worship him. Yeah. It, it, the, the language, I don't know if it has anything to do with what we're talking about, but it is, it's always baffled me and it's probably just a metaphor, but that he's seeking worshipers. I mean, it reminds me, is it Isaiah 6 that also says, like, I can't remember where it is in Isaiah, where he's like talking about like God's like looking out in the world for someone, and, yeah. and Isaiah's like, here I am, send me. Oh. Like, <clears throat> what is God doing? Is he just like scanning the earth, like <laughs> tracking, calculating? Like, right. you know, like what's he doing? Like, like, is he, like, what does he mean when, he, when we say that seeking. he's seeking it out? Doesn't he know where we are? And I, yeah, I'm just curious, like, why that language? And I don't know, I've always wondered that. Well, again, it's... I, we have to believe that God is accommodating himself to our capacity to understand. Right. But I think hmm. it's probably highlighting the fact that God's really serious about this. Yeah. He's intense. He is committed to drawing unto himself those who will worship him in spirit and in truth because mm-hmm. not only is God committed to the, to, to the magnifying of his own glory— but in calling us into doing that, he's showing how much he cares for us and loves for us. Mm, yeah. And I wonder, like, if it's also like, I, I, I mean, the context here, it's like Jesus went to this Samaritan woman mm-hmm. and it's like he came to her. Yeah. And he's having this conversation and now God is seeking people out. Like, and he's not just going to look in Jerusalem, I'm guessing, from the right. context here. He's yeah. like, he's looking everywhere. Yeah. And, and of course, the great image that he uses here is it's all about water. Mm. You're physically thirsty. Um, and he's saying, I, I can give you water of a spiritual nature such that you'll never thirst again. In other mm. words, I will satisfy your soul mm. in a way um, that nothing else in this in this world can. And it's primarily found in knowing me and coming to the Father through me to see him in all his beauty and his majesty. Yeah. So that's, do you think that's why the, the conversation shifts from water and then guilt and then worship? Like, it does seem to be a little jarring of a conversation. It doesn't really have a good flow to it. But like, you yeah. kind of mentioned that, like, that diversion that the woman's trying to throw in whenever she gets cornered into her sin. And now we're having a conversation about worship. Do you think Jesus is linking back to oh, the yeah. water? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's not being thrown off by her diversion yeah. here. Uh, but it's, it's so amazing when you think about 
<clears throat> everything that she had going against her. Uh, number one, she was a woman. Sorry, mm-hmm. but that back in those days, they were not highly valued publicly. Um, secondly, she was a Samaritan, which, you know, doubly down in terms of her interaction. And thirdly, uh, she's an immoral Samaritan mm-hmm. woman. And yet Jesus obviously shows his love for her and his compassion for her and opens her eyes to the reality of her sin and how her sin is preventing her from entering into the fullness of satisfaction and worshiping the one true God. Yeah. Man, T- Tyler, before we jump into yeah. like talking about spirit and truth, anything right. else that in this passage that has just been like, I've always wondered or, oh, now that you're talking about this, I'm seeing anything else before we move no, on? No, I just, I think of like Jesus, his answers to her, he's going for the heart like mm. every time. Like she's asking physical questions. Right. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. And every time he goes like right to the heart mm. of the matter or like, makes it spiritual yeah you know yeah. Like, well, here's physical water mm-hmm. well let me tell you about the water that i can get <laughs> right you know what i mean or he's like the consummate evangelist yeah like, where do i <laughs> work yeah. i need to do that better. <laughs> that's right where should i worship and he's like well i'm not gonna talk about where let's talk about your heart mm, yeah. you know what i mean yeah totally so just kind of that is yeah. a really good observation i don't think i've ever seen it like that that's really cool okay so god is seeking out true worshipers and and one of the and one of the identifying markers of these worshipers is that they would worship god in spirit and in truth, which corresponds to something God says about himself, right? right. Which is that he, the Father is spirit and is truth. Right. So what's going on here, Sam? Why, why these two words? What should we be thinking about? And then, we'll, and then we'll ultimately end in how that should inform our own worship. Well, I think the first thing that it draws my attention to is the previous dialogue about geography, about place. Mm-hmm. Because she says, well... Our fathers worshiped on this mountain. You say it's in Jerusalem. You know, she says it's Gerizim. That's what Samaritans do. You've got Jerusalem. You've got your temple. And Jesus' response to her is basically the hour is coming. It's now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And I think he's saying right from the start, he's making a massively um, a controversial and really uh, – I don't even know how to describe this. For people in that day and age who were convinced, and rightly so at that time, that to really worship God, you had to be in a specific physical structure, the Mm -hmm. temple. You had to be in a particular city, Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is saying, the time is now here. It doesn't matter where you are. Hmm. You don't have to make a journey. You don't have to go on a pilgrimage. You don't have to be in a particular shrine, temple, church building, or sanctuary. And the reason is because God is everywhere. He's spirit. He's omnipresent, and uh, physical location is ultimately irrelevant. Now, some people say, well, yeah, but a particular physical location helps me. It kind of helps me focus my thoughts better. Well, that's fine, mm. but not if you're using that as, as thinking that God is more honored because you're in one place rather than another. So worship is now anywhere God is, worship is appropriate because God is spirit. Mm. He's, not, he's not a localized deity you know that that you can look at a you know a statue or an or an idol or an icon and say oh there's God no God is spirit He is everywhere therefore worship is appropriate any place where it's on whether it's on Mount Gerizim yeah. or Jerusalem or in Oklahoma City or Paris or wherever it may be. Um, I'm wondering like when, when I think about the I'm I'm trying to think through like when it was commanded that the Israelites should only worship in the Jerusalem temple. And I think it's Leviticus that talks about, you know, the uh, making a sacrifice 
anywhere. Like you can't, don't make a sacrifice on your own home, in your own homeland or out in the wilderness or especially mm-hmm. outside the city. Don't do any of that. Instead, bring your sacrifice to the tabernacle and sacrifice it there. Is that the worship that they're thinking about? Is the cultic system of sacrifice or are they thinking about harps and singing and 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 why is it only the temple that this woman's talking about versus the tab like versus the mountain like what 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 do, what do what do they mean when they mean worship and why is it localized? Well, I think it's localized because that was the commandment of God. That was the where, that's where the presence of God was made manifest. Mm-hmm. Remember, after the Solomon had constructed the temple and the glory of God descends upon in the holy of holies, right. and it blows the priests back. Uh, that was where God made his presence. You want to hear God speak? You got to come to the temple. Mm-hmm. You want to get forgiveness of sins? You got to come to the temple. Uh, you want to know God's presence and his will for your life? You got to come to the temple. Um, and, and then, of course, Jesus comes and says, I'm the temple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, all, all those things that used to have to go to a place, now you just have to come to a person, mm-hmm. me, regardless right. of where you may be physically and geographically. So is that why he's saying the time is now? Yeah. Yeah. Because things are changed because now the t- the consummate temple has come and right. it is me. Absolutely. Okay. So because I think I think it could be a, this this whole dialogue could get a little wishy washy and not as powerful if we're like, well, of course God is everywhere and you can worship Him on a mountain or in a church or in Starbucks. You know, I think right. that's like the zeitgeist today is mm. like I can I can me and God can be anywhere together. Right. And so it's like it just doesn't seem like a, that profound of a statement unless we build these categories and understand that Jesus doesn't seem to just be making a statement about where we sing, but about the whole temple system itself. I mean, is that right? Yeah. Okay. I, I just think I, so. I think often when I've read this text growing up, I I think I when I read worship, yeah. I thought sing. Right. And that's probably not all that Jesus has in mind here, right? Right. Okay. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's I think it in fact even more so in light of the analogy he draws with physical thirst and water, mm. I think he's saying worship is ultimately satisfaction in God. It is finding mm. your deepest soul's delight, the consummation of your hunger for joy and excitement in who God is and all that he is for you in Jesus. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I think of some, some many of the Psalms, David, either metaphorically or actually, when he describes his drawing near to God in order to enjoy him, he paints a picture of him entering the temple right. and then coming in, you know, into God's presence, into the sanctuary. And like some people have said, like, he might not even be in Jerusalem right now. He's just painting this picture in his head, like, mm-hmm. oh man, it's it's like when I'm standing outside the veil and I can, you know, yeah. it, you know, these kinds of things. And so, yeah, there is like this proximity and intimacy kind of go together because that's where God was. And we want to be where God is. And so now Jesus is saying, he's in me. I am yeah, God. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. So, so here's my question okay. for you guys. Oh, oh, all right. Oh, man. This has never happened. This is the <laughs> first on the, Bridgeway, on the Bridgeway Church podcast. It's the first. Well, it's kind I'm of two forms. I'm, I'm really touched by this statement in verse 24. Those who worship him must. Yeah. Must, there's a necessity. Must worship him in spirit and truth. So my question is kind of twofold. Um. How are people in churches today worshiping the Lord and they're not doing it in spirit and truth? And then conversely, what does it mean actually to worship him in spirit and truth? If we must do it, meaning any other form or expression of worship is false or Mm. misguided Mm -hmm. or 
or in some sense not what God had in mind, what then is in view in this language? Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to pull a classic Sam Storms yeah. and, and just say look, look to Ky- and Tyler look, and look say. to Tyler and say, Tyler, you answer the question. <laughs> totally. That's why. That's why you're on staff. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he hired you to answer that's this right. question. No, I think. I mean, the first thing that comes to my mind, the word truth, like in like we have to be worshiping in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. he is the truth. So like if our worship is like not only in the name of Jesus, but like because of what he has done for us, like if that's the grounds for our worship, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So kind of like the gospel centered conversation that we had previously, yep. it's like our worship must be a response to who God is for us in Jesus. And that must be our confidence in worship. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That- Plus whatever we're thinking and singing and saying about God has to be accurate. Mm. Yeah, in other words, right. if there if there is a false concept of God that is, and and we're giving expression to that with our hearts, our minds, our voices, whatever, uh, that is uh, that is not honoring to Him. Right. So truth, obviously, you're right. It has to course. It has to be grounded in Jesus. Has to be um, in conformity with the revelation God has made of Himself. So if we, that's why Tyler, you're so diligent and rightly so about the biblical accuracy of our lyrics. Yeah. Um, now, some people oftentimes can go a little bit um, legalistic in that sure. regard, and they don't give the uh, songwriter the freedom to um, interpret and explain what he or she means. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we if, if we're singing heresy, we're not worshiping God in spirit and truth. Right. If we're singing, yeah. even if it's not heresy, even if it's not, you know, a little bit <coughs> less serious than the word... If, if we're singing um, misguided concepts of God, right. uh, that is not honoring to him, and it's certainly not helpful to us. Right. Yeah. That's I'm, good. I'm wondering, too, uh, we talked about spirit being that, that it's not about this location or that location, because formerly God's presence was in the temple. Now he's saying the presence is here. Yeah. And then Jesus will tell us later in John that he's sending his spirit to you, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. will be everywhere. So, like, I can kind of track that one. Like, that one makes sense. Yeah. Uh, the truth one, is he also saying, I mean, am, am I supposed to be reminded of, like, John one seventeen that grace and truth have come to us through Jesus Christ? Like, that he is, like, it, it's kind of what Tyler talked about, yeah. where it's like, when we hear truth, are we supposed to think, Jesus, you're supposed to worship through the spirit and me? <laughs> like, yeah. and so is this a Trinitarian passage where he says, um, you will worship the Father in the spirit, through the sun, like is that? I mean, is that is it trinitarian in that way, or you know, I've honestly never thought about that. Before. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you might have just had a revelation there, buddy. That's good. It's just an observation, not a revelation. That's good. Yeah. But I'm just curious about that. If he's saying I am the truth, yeah, you know, then that would make that passage pretty trinitarian. Yeah, it may be that that one of our failures here is that we have not read this passage in the context of the whole Gospel of John. Right. Yeah. Because when you think farther into the into the gospel account, obviously Tyler already mentioned, you know, the John fourteen six, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Yes. I am the truth. Um, and then, of course, he talks about how the Spirit will, you know, be poured out and will will flow out of you like livers 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 of, <laughs> livers of riving water. Uh, we're not going to delete that. We're not going to so edit that out. No, that's in there. It's good. It's there. Rivers of living water. Um, so yeah, it may well be. Um, I've often wondered when he says we must worship in spirit and truth. I don't have a problem with the truth part. Mm. I think that's yeah. that's pretty clear. It is Jesus. It is 
everything that is revealed about him. Mm-hmm. It is being is being as theologically and biblically precise as we possibly can. Mm-hmm. But what about the spirit part? Does it, I've wondered, is he talking about Holy Spirit? Right. right. Or is he talking about our human spirit? Or is he talking about affections and feelings as right. over against thoughts and, and, and ideas? So run with that. I mean, you well, got... I mean, we're talking about context. Now yeah. I'm just reminded, like, right before this in John 3, we hear about the Spirit, and it's like this wind that moves wherever it, is, wherever it goes, <laughs> right. causing regeneration sure. and rebirth. So there is some type of the person of the Holy Spirit in mind that's acting and moving and going in places you can't perceive. And then right. the next time we hear about it, here he is. And it's the—I mean, yeah. to me, if I'm thinking and reading through— uh, I might be thinking about that passage, and then yeah. I might be thinking about, you know, the in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, which right. reminds me of the Spirit hovering over the face of the water. So I, I feel like there's a lot of personhood thrown into the Spirit in God, in John's Gospel here. That when I come upon it, I'm probably not going to be thinking human spirit when I when I come to it, or even affectations. But yeah. Um. We, well, let's think about other biblical phrases. You know, Paul talks about praying in the Spirit. Right. Yeah. And I think he means by that a number of things, one of primarily which uh, prompted by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, the Spirit shaping my, the, my petitions, the Spirit energizing my perseverance in prayer when I want to quit and give up. So is worshiping mm. in the Spirit or in Spirit the same thing? If it's a reference to the Holy Spirit, which it could be, um, he could be saying your worship needs to be far more than you just cranking up, you know, fleshly energy and right. going through the motions and, you know, um, you know, raising your hands at just the right time. And uh, he's talking about uh, a, a worship that is empowered, energized, sustained and directed by the Holy Spirit. But I think I, I do think, though, we have to include the idea of affection, mm-hmm. love, yeah. joy, peace, hope. Fear of God, awe, zeal—all those things that we that we we call affections—I think that has to be involved in it as well. Yeah, I, mean, I thought the same thing, Sam, because kind of what I said earlier. Like she's asking physical questions, and he's he's responding with like spiritual answers or like matters of the heart is what I thought of. And so I think like you know he's saying it really isn't about these physical locations, right? It's 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 also about your, your heart's affection in worship. Yeah. Well, again, letting the context, and this is important for people who, who are asking, I don't think I know how to interpret the Bible. Well, look, let's look again at verse 24. God is yeah. spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. So in some sense, our worshiping in spirit is related to the fact that God himself is spirit. Mm-hmm. Right. So it is a... It is a uh, spiritual experience, and, yeah. and I'm trying to think of a, a, a contrast um, as over against, um, you know, going to a Thunder basketball game, and you're watching physical activity, and you're responding in physical joy or frustration at what's happening on the court. There is a dimension of worship that is profoundly non-physical. That doesn't mean that our bodies aren't engaged. Of course, we know we're to worship God with our bodies. But in every case, there has to be a recognition that we are communicating to a spiritual being. Mm-hmm. God yeah. is spirit. He's, he's, 
He is a spiritual being. That's the core of who he is. Um, and therefore, our worship of him must in some sense uh, reflect that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in other words, not reducing him to, uh, to manageable proportions. Although, let's be honest, the word became flesh. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, so God the Son is more than just spirit. He is actually now human. Right. Mm-hmm. And we focus our worship on him as well. So, yeah, there's so many dimensions to this. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah I can't get away from this, the, the water spirit thing. Because, like, so he's talking about, he's at a well. They've asked for water. He says, I'll give you rivers of, you know, I'll give you, I have, I have water, you, you know, that you'll drink and never be thirsty again. And just before it in John 3, 5, we have him saying, you know, you, water and spirit. Mm-hmm. You need to be yeah. born again in water and spirit. So those are kind of linked. And then you've already mentioned John 7, that the spirit, um, they, uh, let's see here. Uh, the, if the, anyone thirsts. The, the livers of rivers. Yeah, the livers. <laughs> if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But he spoke concerning the spirit. The spirit. For the Holy Spirit was not given yet. And so like he's talking water, spirit, and John is a connection that he's yeah. making. Yeah. And so when he says that the worshipers must worship in spirit, they're pouring water out of the bucket. And, you know, like, I mean, it's like, it's yeah. very physical representation there that uh i think we we I, I think this is all true like we need to recognize that god is spirit so he's not on this mountain or that mountain yeah. he's everywhere he's a spiritual being that needs to be communicated to in yeah. spiritual ways uh and then he's a it, it, it's the person through whom yeah. we worship uh and then it's also that spirit coming into us does things to our heart right i mean that those are always linked especially you know in the old testament it's it's like the, the Holy Spirit comes and he's going to give us a new heart. So the affections are stirred. I mean, I think this right. is all happening. So I have a question again. Yeah. It just came to mind. It, he says you must worship in spirit and truth, both. Mm. So in what ways do people today worship only in spirit, not in truth, or only in truth and not in spirit? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's the it's kind of the dichotomy that we talk about here at Bridgewell all the time. Um, not necessarily the same thing as a word spirit dichotomy, yeah. But it is the thing where we we tend to either so focus on truth and accuracy that we don't engage the affections, or we so focus on the affections that we don't engage truth yeah, and accuracy. That we don't care about the truth. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, I felt good. It was an, a right. euphoric experience. Right. Oh, did I actually spout heresy in my right. in the lyrics? Right, yeah. or or vice versa. Like, man, yeah. what a biblically robust sermon. Well, how did that change you? Change me. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think it's that same kind of thing where uh, we we need both, and and that's kind of what we're always talking about here at Bridgeway. Right. Is that that different? And, and so, Sam, is it would it be wrong to kind of overlap spirit and truth with word and spirit? Is that I mean. If Jesus is the truth, he's yes. also the word. If you right. know, if tr- if the if truth is biblical accuracy, well, we're also talking about the word. Yeah. So it does seem to be. Yeah, because when I talk about word and spirit, word, I'm talking about uh, truth as it is expressed to us in the infallible scriptures and right. in the written text that God has inspired and preserved for us. And spirit, obviously, a reference to the Holy Spirit. They these are merged and married in God's sight, and we've got to quit causing a divorce. Yeah. So, yeah. so I, so my question for Tyler then is, I'll put you on the spot. It's great. When you be, come and prepare, and you rehearse, and then you lead our corporate assembly and worship, mm-hmm. how are you thinking in terms of word and or truth and spirit, spirit and truth? Um, is, is that consciously shaping how you approach and what you call people to do, and then how 
how you think about what you're doing and what you're seeking to achieve? Is that, I know that's a big, long question, but. No, absolutely. I think like, I mean, you said it earlier, like we, we, we work hard to make sure that we're singing things that are true, but not only singing, like saying things that are true as worship leaders, but also at the same time, like we, we, we want to give time in our worship sets for that, for that truth to like stir our affections mm-hmm. or for the Holy Spirit to, to speak and move in a moment. Yeah. So I think, I mean, I think we're always thinking about, mm-hmm. or I'm always thinking about those things when I'm preparing a worship set or, or leading in corporate worship. Yeah. That's good. And that's a short answer, but no, it's great. I, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, I, I just keep going back to. I'm, I'm like, what does this mean for us? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and I think you, you hit on a lot of it in terms of preparation, openness. Yeah. You know, waiting, right. expecting, all those things. Uh, I just want to go back and read um, what Jesus said to the woman about water. Everyone who drinks of this water, yeah, you know, who engages with this spirit and truth in worship. Um, will never be thirsty again, yeah. right? Like because he, because in him, and will will spring a water welling up to eternal life. And it's just like that is what it feels like sometimes when the Holy Spirit comes in worship, and yeah. it, it's just like if you can feel it inside you, and it's welling up, you right. know, and then it pours out of you, and like, right. and all of that is the Spirit and truth working together to create it's this. Yeah. It's amazing. I just noticed another phrase here that might help us. Mm. Um, in uh, verse 22, when Jesus responds to her, he says, you worship what you do not know. Oh, wow. Truth wow. is revealed. Wow, yeah. Truth. Yeah, yeah. There's, that informs what he means by truth. So uh, I wonder how many genuine Christians in yeah. hopefully Bible-based, gospel-centered churches are worshiping what they don't know. Mm. They don't know. Not, not saying that they're not saved, but there has to be... Uh, this element of personal intimacy. I mm-hmm. I know the God about whom I'm speaking. I, I'm I'm intimately acquainted with who He is and how He thinks and feels and what He does. I think that's obviously very much wrapped up in the element of worshiping in truth. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's I think good. that's actually really helpful. Well, this has been great. I, I don't. I've never really spent spent this much time picking this passage apart, and it's been really helpful. So, um, well, I'm excited to keep talking about worship and um, and how it informs everything we're doing. Um, yeah, and we'll have in the podcast podcast description uh, more information about the upcoming Bridgeway Music album. Um, Tyler's written some really awesome songs. So, as a lot of uh, the other people who uh, work on the worship team, uh, I'm super excited about it been looking forward to it for a long time now so uh look in the podcast description about the bridgeway music album uh we'll have some information for you there you're really going to want to uh to see about that so thank you so much for joining us and we will see you next time Thank you for listening to the Bridgeway Podcast, where you will find a new conversation every Thursday. For more information about Bridgeway Church, we invite you to visit bridgewaychurch.com, or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at bridgewayokc, or on Facebook at facebook.com slash bridgewaychurchokc. If you have any questions that you would like us to address on the podcast, feel free to email us at podcast at bridgewaychurch.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving us a review on the podcast app as it helps other people like you find our program. So on behalf of all the pastors and staff here at Bridgeway Church, I'm David Bowden saying thanks for listening and we will see you next week.